the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. everyone to the USL show. This is Phil here with a preamble. We had some audio issues Monday night with our regular podcast and it was it was only in the beginning. The beginning we were talking about Dan D'Amico is the majority owner of Charlotte Independence. I think a lot of us have seen what's been going on there and it just so happens that we kind of have been hearing that Ben Goshorn, the soccer goose, uh, is going to be meeting with Dan today, which is July 1st. It's Wednesday. I think it's July 1st. And um, we just wanted to kind of have an impromptu show last night anyway to kind of talk about that before he goes in. And we'll be getting um, a bit of a a briefing of how it went via article. Uh, Him and and Carson are working on something over at BGN Written. So look for that debriefing there. And um, Anyway, we have the beginning of the show talking about that. The rest of the show, eventually, the audio problems went away, thank goodness. And so we were able to capture the rest of that from our YouTube feed. And um, that's what you'll hear at the end of this. Mostly talking about return to play, all the groups, and who's the best group, and uh, what teams are going to be fine. Is it safe to come back with fans, and all those kinds of things. So hope you enjoy this show. Even though it's a bit of a Frankenstein, it might end up being long because of that. But uh, here it is anyway. Hiya. Welcome to the USL show. Uh, Your number one source for independent USL championship news, which is a great thing to be. In times like this, your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, your favorite cheesemonger's favorite cheesemonger is here. Uh, and Lola joined by two of my favorite soccer friends, two of my longest standing soccer friends, in fact. Uh, the whitest man in the St. Louis Fresh Belt area, the cream in your Irish coffee. It is Phil Grimms. Good evening, everybody. It's good to be here Hi, uh, with my friends. Dude, it's weird. It's, uh, it, it's weird that I've known you for as long as I've known you. <laughs> yeah, it's been. If you, think, if you think about it, I probably won't even remember what how long it's been. To be honest, have you been thinking about it? Do you know, offhand? It would have been. Uh, it would have been twenty sixteen. Would it not have been? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's been. And good. then, and it's been a while since I've used this. Uh, the. Whew. Uh, the down feathers in your pillow. It's the Bernie Sanders of the USL championship. Yes. Is ben Goshorn. It's been the too long. I forgot how silly that intro was, but I love uh-huh. it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very appropriate for me. A little um, bit. Yeah. I. Whew. Hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to yeah, uh, no, thank chat. Yeah, no, always, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, perhaps better circumstances should have led to this, but here we are. Uh, I'm sure you were excited for the soccer season to restart back up. And now I, maybe you still are, but not for uh, not for the same reasons you would have been potentially. Yeah, there's a there's a weird lead-in. Um, <laughs> hey man, your majority owner is kind of racist. Um, 
Can we yeah, start at the beginning, uh, actually, Goose? Because uh, I just tweeted this, but I guess some guy made a list of all the bad tweets that the guy put out in the mm-hmm. first four days since um, since the 25th, when all this kind of got really heavy. Do you want to start at the beginning and kind mm-hmm. of give us some, I don't know, not examples per se, but the kind of things that have been said by Dan that's making everybody so upset? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to do my best to um, encompass the feelings of uh, both me and, and Jack's militia and and how we got to this point. Um, it it kind of started back, I, I can't tell you the exact date, but um, a few days before us as the Jack's, as Jack's militia, the supporter group for the Charlotte Independence put out a statement um I had posed the question to the group um, of leadership of Jack's militia. Hey, it doesn't look like uh, the club is going to put out an anti-racist statement. Um, That's okay. Like, I'm not going to be mad about that. That's their prerogative. Um, But I feel like we should maybe look to do that. What would that look like? That type of thing. A few days passed and I woke up to the knowledge of his most recent string of tweets. And for the sake of context, I was aware of his political alignments with Trump, um, being an advisor for him in 2016 and, and things of that nature. Um, I, I had never personally seen any tweets like I had seen that morning um it would have been the first of june is when uh i was made aware of them and and the group was made aware of the his tweets and and really it for lack of a better description it just totally missed the situation everyone was in or i feel like everyone was in um of rising to the occasion to support the community uh given the recent unrest alongside George Floyd's murder and Breonna Taylor's murder murder and the Ahmaud Arbery uh, murder as well. I mean, it was, it was a moment where it really just took me back from being a soccer supporter. And honestly, I was just embarrassed. Primarily I was embarrassed as a, a supporter of the club that's been very vocal um, for quite some time now. Um, I mean, I've been a supporter since year one, but uh, to speed along the path there, upon realizing his stances and how vocal he was being, I, I thought it was, it was a moment where we needed to speak out against that because for us not to wouldn't be right, I didn't think. I, I was trying to come back to what I felt was right to do in those circum in that circumstance. Um, and I felt like it was right for Jack's militia, the supporter group of the independents, to to speak out against that and to say, we do not share his views. We honestly uh, speak against those because that is not right and whatever the case may be. Shortly after that, the club did put out an anti-racist statement um, per Queen City Football uh, Chronicles reporting. 
The club didn't want to put out a statement. Uh, for the sake of putting out a statement, they wanted to try to do something. Um, they didn't want to check a box. I, I believe it was referred to um, by uh, Jim McPhillamy, the president of the club. There was no acknowledgement of Dan's tweets. There was no... There was no remorse. There was no nothing. It was just... And to be honest with you, the statement they put out was very was very weak. And simply put, there was no action behind it. it. It mentioned being a catalyst in the community or an opportunity to be or something along those lines. But um, yeah, that, that, that happened shortly after we, we put out that statement. Um, and it's kind of been... I don't want to say it's been downhill because it's kind of been part of the course for Dan's Twitter thread. I mean, if you, I, I don't want to say any given moment, but if you go through his history, he is, he is, I don't want to say that he is a racist because I do not know that man's heart. Um, but when it comes down to it, he has been perpetuating a narrative that the the Chinese government is infiltrating the Black Lives Matter movement, that um, the unrest and protest is something that it isn't. And above all else, he's been perpetuating conspiracy theories that are factless and that could be very easily, if he wanted to, find out that they were false and it's it's been tough because i've been reaching out to the players uh specifically hugh roberts and brandon miller to to try to continue to support them in their initiative because the club isn't has not reached out to the supporters uh, in any capacity to say, hey, we acknowledge your disagreement. Um, whatever the case may be, we want to have a dialogue about this. Um, that has never been done. Um, I'll even say this uh, for context sake on Monday morning. I, well, this week I'd reached out to them to say, hey, I want to have a conversation with members of the front office uh, not being Dan specifically, because um, I didn't honestly think he'd give me the time of day. But I reached out to the front office to say, hey, I want to have a conversation around this. Uh, number one, it has been almost a month and you've not done anything to, you've not done anything physically to back your statement um, back on June 1st. Um, and in tandem with that, to have a conversation with them around how Dan D'Amico's Twitter activity has ne negatively impacted um, both members of Jack's Militia and people outside of Jack's Militia um, and has made it so they, they don't feel like they can support the club anymore. And long story short, I was met with, this is a busy week for us. Um, Maybe next week will work. Subsequently, next week wasn't going to work. And then next thing I know, 
Dan is reaching out to me to have a meeting. I don't know where that came from, but that, that's kind of where we are. And uh, please let me know if I need to fill in any gaps there that, that may have occurred. No, I think you're doing good. So I, I was curious if you had the meeting already. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, if so. But um, yeah, what did that happen? No, so that is scheduled for tomorrow gotcha. afternoon. Um, to be honest, I am uh, I'm scared for you. That is a that's a big meeting. It's a really tough thing to represent a community do like you yours. Think they're trying to rent the MTV Next bus, and you will drive up, and he'll be there on like a picnic blanket, and he'll just yell <laughs> "next," and then that'll be the end of the meeting. <laughs> I, I have no idea, and I, I've thought about trying to figure out what he wants to accomplish because um, all I know is he wants to have a meeting, and I'm willing to have a conversation. Um, for the sake of context as well, he had blocked me at one point, and, and I can understand why he'd want to block me. I mean, mm-hmm. I have... Why he'd want to, sure, but I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like you're the president of the support. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, and, 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 the, and also for the sake of context, he also, yeah. I, I don't know why he blocked me because he didn't block other people who were vocal against him. So it seemed like a, a very targeted thing. He even blocked the supporter group Twitter for some reason, Jack's Militia. Hmm. But nevertheless, it, to me, it just signaled that I don't want to have a conversation around this. I have been outed as whatever. My my tweets have been seen. I don't like this. Mm. I don't want you to see this anymore. Mm. And to me, in tandem with the front office, essentially kicking the can down the road. I mean, the, the point I am with a supporter of the independence, I can... I don't like to live in finality and I won't ever do this thing, but I don't, I don't know what Dan can do to be honest with you, Hmm. to write the ship, to try to make things right. But I don't foresee myself ever supporting the club in any capacity in the future, just because they've had a month to try to support. If nothing else, if they, if, if they don't have the capacities to support the community, financially, um, in their actions, whatever the case may be, they have, to my knowledge, done nothing to support the players, both mm-hmm. as both as players and as human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that really hit home for me today is I was not to plug another podcast, but the, I was listening to league one fun today and in mm-hmm. hearing Darren Van Tassel of Tormenta FC talking about why he would put action behind his statement in the sincerity he spoke with. It really hurt me in a lot of ways because I've seen nothing come from the front office in any capacity to and this isn't about me, but to support the players of themselves, to to amplify their voices and say, hey, we we appreciate you. We understand your your 
not even understand, but we sympathize with your struggle. This is this is what we're going to do. There's been nothing. And and that's I mean, I could I just come back to the way I initially felt when I had seen his tweets and it, it's embarrassment, quite frankly. It's it's like I said, I, I can't in good conscience support a club financially, vocally, in any capacity really, given that they have they've for lack of a better term or description, they've made they they've made their bed and they've sat in it and they've done nothing to correct it because it, and it's fine if they don't feel like they've done anything wrong. I fully understand that these are opinions that this man is allowed to share. I I understand that. But at the end of the day, and again, I won't say that Dan D'Amico is a racist, but he has had every chance to distance himself from what he has personally been sharing and what he has been perpetuating through other people's voices on his personal Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done that. And I don't think, I don't know how you do that, to be honest with you, but I, I think... Well, yeah, I, Ben, yeah. I, I just have a couple kind of questions and thoughts like what, mm-hmm. you know, finally Twitter's kind of catching on to this and starting to get strong. We had the article with Sock, Sock Takes um, yesterday with Colton Crashy, um, right? That's his name. He um, mm-hmm. He's starting to get pressure, right? More pressure, not just random guys screaming at him on Twitter. He's starting to get yeah, actual mm-hmm. real pressure. And now he has a meeting with you that thank goodness you're in the position where you are, where he kind of has to take that meeting if he's not a complete moron, um, which is perhaps debatable. But, you know, in this statement, he eventually, finally, that the team put out, it says in there that he's going to or is talking to his players, which almost implies that that hasn't happened at all. And to me, looking at his Twitter, that's quite obvious that he's very insulated with himself and his news blogs or or articles and and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of putting stuff out there. We've all kind of gotten a little too deep into our politics and made this mistake, maybe not to this uh, extent, but I guess what I'm getting at is, um, you know, Ben, you and Twitter and that story, and perhaps this, even this, this podcast could be an instigator for change for a man who's a little too insulated that might actually go out and start talking to his black players about black lives matter. And, and maybe gain a little bit of empathy, maybe see something from from your perspective, because you are actually a level-headed gentleman. You know what I mean? Like the way you you said you wanted to go into that meeting uh, humbly and not even sure you were going to get him, just just a little bit of conversation can really go a long way um, for this situation, in my opinion. You have a good opportunity here, you know? Yeah, I and, – and maybe – Maybe I'm naive or too optimistic to think that that can, that uh, things like this happen or start with a conversation, that change happens with a conversation. But I think, I mean, again, if I guess it, I'll put it this way if, if I hope for anything, it's that he's willing to listen and he's willing to, to show some, some shred of, being able to be being willing to learn because I mean, 
in my personal life, the, the only, th what I've been trying to do primarily is listen and educate myself as to how I need to change as an individual outside of soccer entirely. But, and I, I don't say this to say he needs to do that, but I think, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's evident that he, he doesn't get the severity of this situation all of us are in. I don't think. And and I think I just hope that he's he's willing I, I he's willing to have a conversation. I'll be interested to see if he's willing to listen and try to take a step forward mm -hmm. because the current position he has put himself in whether he wants to admit it or not is not a good one. It does not benefit the, the club itself, it does not benefit the city of Charlotte, the community of the area we live in. The USL is the league, whatever the case may be. I mean, to add another spin to this, the, the thing that really hit me hard is that the mantra of the club is to make the city of Charlotte a better place through sport. How can a man that's spreading the rhetoric that he is also be trying to make the city of Charlotte a better place through sport. I, to me, that's well, disjointed. And you bought that. Oh. Like, yeah, you bought I, that. Maybe that's the problem, I guess. Huh? You purchased that. And you purchased that as the goal of the club. And you went, yeah, I'll support that with my money. And now you're... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, now you're talking about a lot of conspiracy theories and and by the way anybody that makes uh not necessarily a friend of the show but i think friend of everyone here mark asher goodman like if you piss mark off of all people mm -hmm. that's not good that's man because that guy's like an honest to god rabbi and they're yeah. very lovely people and so <laughs> for him to pull out receipts you know you're fucking up a little bit if, if mark's mad at you yeah and yeah, it's just, it's a moment where I, I hope he's willing to listen, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm trying to go in with low expectations, um, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, I've been thinking over and over. Um, we kind of talked about this last night and our audio is bad, so I don't think it's too bad to kind of bring it up with you, especially Ben, but like, outside of social activism like we don't have to ask this guy to to change his mind 100 percent and start supporting you know touting let's say touting black lives matter stuff over and over and over on his twitter shoot all we really need now is like be a good leader of a commercial business you know what i mean a, a sports team yeah just go away be quiet i Take just don't even know who you are man yeah I, I don't know who owns the oklahoma city energy i just, don't need to just stop making mistakes you know what i mean <laughs> like that would be a good step one and that's what like someone needs to do that in that club to some extent and who probably no one can but boy yeah we'll peter well, welton the phone i i think that's right. what's I mean, that's another facet of this is, to me, his actions, um, and this, it's virtual actions, whatever the case may be, but those actions 
in the position he has he is in as a businessman as a club owner as a community leader in some capacity those have weight and maybe he doesn't know that i mean i don't know i like i said i don't know his heart i don't know him very deeply i've had very short conversations with him in person um but i mean yeah it's just it's a matter of understanding that the severity of the situation and trying to turn trying to do anything to show that you want to be as they put in their statement a catalyst for change in the community or whatever the case may be yeah i almost hate to say it but if they're if they're not going to do it now when are they going to do it yeah yeah that's exactly what i was thinking is that you know they've never done it before and why would they no. start now and no. and that's that's another facet of it too is i mean before all this transpired i had talked with the front office and it talked to me about being a community club being in the community impacting the community doing this doing that because something that shouldn't go unnoticed they're about to actually have a home stadium of their own this next year Mm. if there was ever a time for them to actually try to be something be anything now would be the time and i'll even say this too that I had brought up these other initiatives in the city that I was aware of and said, hey, this local charity is doing this thing in the community. And verbatim, I was told, but Ben, why don't we do that? (laughs) Why don't you? I mean, simply put, if if that's what you want to be, and that's, that's where the disconnect is for me too. If you want to be a disc, a community club, but you're not going to put in the effort to do that. And the owner is going to continue to spew things that are not befitting of a community leader and a club owner. Yeah. They, they've, they've sealed their own will, whatever the metaphor you want to use. It's, yeah. Well, let's say, Ben, I think this would be a good thing to close on because it, perhaps it, it has a little bit of hope in that naivete you're talking about that I definitely have. <laughs> perhaps you said you have. Um, I think a good way to close this out um, is perhaps if you were the, let's say they hired a PR guy and it was you, right? Like, Goose, you got to help us fix this situation. We've dug ourselves down deep. Yeah. How do we claw ourselves out? Congratulations, you run the Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, what I have fun like, sleeping. Oh, wait. <laughs> what are like, let's say like five steps that you would be like, One nothing master. drastic, nothing crazy, just like five practical steps in order to try to repair this situation from a club standpoint. So I don't know that I can quite do five, to be honest with you, but I'll I'll, I'll try to 
to rattle off some some things that have been rolling through my head that because at the end of the day I don't want to tell them what to do at a certain point um, but if I did have to do that it would be you first need to listen you have players that are still with the club that are being vocal about this they are willing to share their perspective and opinion about the situation again we all are in and you're ignoring them you need to acknowledge that you need to to let them use the platform you have to share their experiences and share their perspectives and and whatever the case may be because just as Dan's tweets have had profoundly negative impact on people, I can personally attest that Hugh and Brandon's words have had profoundly positive impacts on me and others that I've seen. I think the next step that I would say they need to take is similar to that, but find people in the community that are doing things that need to be done to change the situation we're in, whether that's making soccer more accessible, um, whatever the case may be. There's, there's initiatives in Charlotte that are doing things that you're choosing to ignore. The, the monetary capacity or limits that the club have should I don't feel limit their ability to both partner with local initiatives and if nothing else, shine light on what they're doing. I I hate to say, but it's not that difficult. Mm -hmm. It's really not. I, I don't feel, I think a next initiative they could really do is try to be a catalyst for change with local politicians because I mean, we have a, a city council member who is has literally gone from protesting in the streets to being a city council member. And I feel like if you don't use your platform to be an agent of change mm-hmm. in that capacity to, again, vocalize his perspective on things, to listen, to continue to perpetuate the situation we're in to, to continue to the conversation, I should say, um, because it's things have not been as bad here in Charlotte in as other locations in America, but we've had our own problems here in the community here recently and in the past. Um, and I suppose, I mean, the next thing too is just, be willing to listen to your supporters actually acknowledge their complaints because you know what, if you, the very limited diehard supporters that support the club are vastly dwindling. I have had far more people both ask me and I've seen on Twitter say that they will no longer support the club than I've, I've seen People say, you know what? Dan's not a bad guy. Dan is being misinterpreted, misconstrued, whatever the case may be. 
And if you don't repair that relationship, if you think other people are just going to pop out of the woodwork, good luck. Um, because as other people have put it, there have been numerous reasons to to not support this club uh, in, in its short history. Um, and, and quite frankly, you, you will continue to not have a fan base if you don't foster what is there. Um, I'm not sure what else I would add, to be honest with you. No, those I are think great. That's, yeah. Yeah. I think those are great. As a side, I, I meant to say this earlier, kind of a good a good uh, sign you're doing something wrong in history, a good measure of, uh, of a club screwing up is is when the supporter group, the main supporter group for the team is against it. You know what I mean? Rarely does that happen yeah. and the supporter group is all wrong. You know what I mean? Usually that's a sign that perhaps your club's doing something wrong. Yeah. Just saying. Well, Goose, thank you so much for uh, yeah. jo- joining us tonight. You got you got your hands full tomorrow and we, we wish you nothing but luck, man. It'll be a hard task, um, but I hope it goes well. Well, thank you for um being willing to listen um for continuing to um not let the focus die on this situation because i feel like it is not there's not been finality in it in any capacity and i think there's still a lot more that can be done um should be done uh whatever the case may be um but thank you for uh for everything yeah, and we, uh, I told you you don't really have a choice at this point. We look forward to the article you write about this in a, in a week or so. <laughs> well, thankfully, Carson is helping me with that. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I don't have an ETA under any capacity, but uh, yeah. All right, man. Well, have a good night. Again, good luck tomorrow. Uh, so before we talk about how they're coming back and where they're coming back and when they're coming back, uh, Goose, who I mentioned previous, asked us a question about 10 hours ago. So uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, how are you dealing with balancing the excitement for soccer return with the reality of the pandemic still very much a concern? Question of the hour right here. This uh, is it. I mean, you know. <laughs> It's a super balanced question because I, he was a little bit crazier with not crazier. He was a little bit stronger with his feelings. Like how is anybody excited right. about the USL when the right. pandemic is as dangerous as it is? This is a very balanced question. And I personally am like sticking with that balance where I'm uh, kind of ridiculously excited about soccer coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope, you know, I'm trying to keep a healthy appreciation for how dangerous COVID is out there. And if if we have live games with live fans, um, mm-hmm. those fans better be careful, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm excited that these guys, that at least some of these guys that we've gotten to know over the years are able to do their jobs. I'm sure they're very excited yeah. to go and do them. Um. You know, I, I think it'll be nice to have all domestic soccer back. We've seen it work well in Europe um, with, you know, I think a couple teams have had cases here and there. 
my problem, uh, and it's been my problem since this whole thing started, is uh, the reaction to COVID state to state has been widely varied. Um, for better or uh, for Texas. And then, um, you know, our, our healthcare system is not one that enables us to like go get tested and and things like that at a super steady clip. And I'm sure it's a little bit of a, of an exception with um, sports leagues because they have capital behind them and, and, you know, they drive economies a little bit in some ways. So, you know, if it's, if it's closed doors, if it's safe, if these essentially operate as preseason games, uh, that's great. I, I really think it's weird that MLS went down to Florida of all places. Um, I hope USL, you know, they're doing it regionally, which is probably smart. I think we've wanted them to do regions in general for a little bit now, uh, especially Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis back to the West, please. And then... Um, <laughs> You know, I, so yeah, like I'm excited. It's cool. These guys are going to come back. We'll get to see two MLS two teams play each other and no one will care again. Uh, so that's always a nice constant to have back in life. But, you know, <laughs> at the same time, I just worry that if you go to play, you know, uh, the Rowdies or something, like people aren't going to be careful around you, which sucks if you're careful. So, you know, you just gotta really drive home that you know the people just do a medial task and wear a mask. And they'll they'll be okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking. Even no matter what happens at the games, I'm not going to a live game this year. Hundred percent, no, no. I'm not going. And you know, I think it is nice that the MLS two sides have decided to get ahead of the curve there and just not let people in anyway. Oh. Oh, no one shows that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, I went to a bunch of those games. It's fine. Yeah, you did. You yeah. did. And what sucks is they couldn't count. Well, I probably, no, I didn't. No, no. I was going to say they couldn't count me as a tenth because I didn't pay for a ticket, but they, they mm-hmm. could. Alan, your thoughts? I'm in the, the pony po- boat as well. Like, I've talked about this before. I did because I know there's a lot of people who these jobs to make money and support their families. And so I want them to, but am I going to order section match? Probably not. Um, if they have it at USD members down on the pitch and I very recourse being comfortable, like getting it, leaving late, but the more things are happening, the uh, the world uh, airs announced that there are gatherings at fifty, so things are wrong direction for me to feel comfortable going out to a match. Uh, I will watch the game a couple times and cheer and maybe do like some Zoom, you know, fan and do that big, which I think can be enjoyable. But going to, to a match right reckless um for me personally yeah terrified about going back term um and what that's going to look, look like in the fall so i'm i don't uh then i absolutely need to um for 
my own personal well-being mm. and uh, life and my neighbors very I'm in person this season. I like there's players who are itching because this is how people who work behind the scenes and team all of those folks make the game happen. I want it to happen because I want them to. Uh, but personally, probably won't be. Well, uh, real quick, and I guess we should actually talk about how they're going to play these games. Uh, League One Fun, who are, are some, uh, some some good friends of ours, uh, occasionally when Jason's not too busy forgetting where he came from and having terrible music takes, uh, we're friends. But uh, they released a podcast about an hour ago. Um, they had uh, Matt Hominoff, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Union Omaha, on which was a really great interview uh as well as um uh darren van tassel who's formenta's uh president uh george tormenta is gonna play a game with fans in their stadium they're gonna be the first american team in which to do so which you know i'm all about like oh we're gonna be the first you know because it sounds cool and, and all that but um Maybe not. Maybe not this one. Maybe not this one. Maybe be the first team to I don't know throw out a bunch of head coaching resumes out of a helicopter, um, and then hire Frank Yallop. But don't be the first team to play a sporting event with fans in your arena during a pandemic, because I will say there is a non-zero chance of someone getting it, and that's just not. We don't want that, do we? Well, I think I think we we're a national podcast, so I think we need to address the fact that this is totally based on Evan. We were talking about this, like yeah. it's totally based on state rights, right? Yep. And so that's yep. like, yeah. yeah. If you're a libertarian, this is a, an effing dream because yeah, USL is just like, hey, if each team wants to do what they want, it's up to them as long as local codes allow and they follow rules. Twenty twenty also a really good lesson in consent, by the way. I like that actually. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's good. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do Okay, then we'll do it. We'll do it with fans. <laughs> Who cares? Do you not want to it do is. this? Okay, great. Stay home. Watch it on TV. I mean, that's an important thing is no one has to go to a game, right? And so, you know, uh capitalism could decide all of this for us very quickly. Uh not that it, it hasn't it had its say well already. Could. Uh but but each state, each club has to decide what their local government allows. And then USLPA has a whole bunch of rules on top of that that everybody has to follow for safety for the players. Um, safety for the fans isn't quite as strongly said, um, if you heard the interview with, with Reuter. But, um, you know, I think in St. Louis, the levels are pretty low. Our games are out in the suburbs where they're even lower. I'm going right. to go. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to go to one. And I'm going to pray that everyone's wearing their mask like they should. And if they're not, I will reevaluate and decide whether I think that's safe for me and my family. But um, if there's distancing, if they only bring in a certain percentage of the fans and it sounds like that's the plan. To be honest, um, I'm going to give it a shot. So I guess the question, right, and this will kind of seg into the format. Each team is playing 16 games. We essentially get eight home games over 13 weeks. Um, Phil, are you? I think I saw Ruder Day saying that's. I think I saw. The, I think I saw something Jay from Ruder said. There's no. 
he doesn't expect equal home and away for each team. Oh, fair enough. Oh, interesting. Oh, it's 12 games within the own group. Okay. So, oh, yeah. So it'll be six and six, and then whatever the out of conference. I guess that yeah. depends on the states, too. I have no idea. I'm sure the people that are making this schedule or attempting to don't even know how that's going to work yet. But right. anyway. So in theory, we'll say at best you get six home games, or on the average you'll get six home games. Phil, if if you're going, are you waiting until you get two or three under the belt and seeing what happens as far as the numbers in your state go, or are you just going to be like, hey, it's it's live soccer, I'm going to go? Hmm. Actually, it would be really smart to wait a couple games. I wasn't going to, to be honest. I wasn't. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. I don't know. But if you. See on the schedule, like, oh, we play. I don't know. Dates are dumb. I don't know. Uh, hypothetically, we'll say, like, oh, you know. Week one, let's say J- J- July 11th, week one is Louisville. And then yeah. week three is Sporting Kansas City 2. Right. Do I wait for Louisville and for them to play Indy 11 and then I go to the SKC 2 game? That would be smart. That'd be really smart. If I feel like people are being safe, I'm actually going to consider that. Look at that. Problem solving in, in real time here at the USL. <laughs> uh, That's the way things should work, right? <laughs> yeah, Tony, Instead of I, screaming at each other. Any thoughts? I mean, it makes sense if you are really interested in going to me to at least avoid to wait a week, see what the club actually does. I mean, to me, I think if like if clubs are saying, no, you need a mask to come in and take them off, who the heck cares? I'm not going to a yeah, game. Yeah. But if a club does that and then says, hey, you, you took your mask off, you're gone for the entire season. I mean, give us your season ticket thing. You're not allowed in for any games for the remainder of the year. I'm like, okay, I might actually be willing to go to a second game if you're basically guaranteeing people wear masks. But what about food sales? What about beer sales? What all that? I mean, it just, I don't see a way that for me, I'd feel safe actually going, especially as, I mean, for me, where my living situation yeah, I'm by myself right now, but my parents live close by. I try to visit them at least once a week and bring them food or groceries and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm not going to go to a situation where I think there's actually a good chance. There's a chance of me getting sick and possibly get my parents sick just because someone wasn't going to wear a mask. So well, if they're not going to a very harsh chance, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Uh, to me, Alan, that's the most important I'll, thing. I'm sorry, but no, no, go for it, Phil. It's good. This is going to rely on the fans. Like the clubs can do what they want. They can put up signs. You know, we all saw like in Missouri, at least we saw what Lake of the Ozarks did. They put up a whole bunch of banners and then everybody came in and did whatever the hell they want. And people got mad that no one like shut the whole party down, but short of shutting down the entire party, really, what is a club going to do? They're going to send a whole bunch of people to go stand in the aisles and ask people to put their masks on every five minutes. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is something every club can do. Alan, I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, it's press box rules. Uh, because apparently singing and, and chanting is a really great way to spread the virus. So everyone has to wear business casual, business formal attire, depending on, on <laughs> what kind of compliments oh they want to get from their respective head coach after the match. Uh, or players. Uh, long sleeves encouraged. You can roll them halfway to show your tattoos to try to get brownie <laughs> points with the players. Only if they're good, not if they're bad. Uh, and then 
you can't really make any noise or tip your hand over who you're pulling for one way or the other, unless you're like kind of in with the comm staff and you sort of make jokes about it. <laughs> I think these are fair rules. Alan, any thoughts? <laughs> so I can break out my corduroy jacket then? Yes. Oh, you yeah. know, and it's encouraged. And honestly, <laughs> if you want to like light but not inhale a Lucky Strike cigarette around the locker room, I think that'll be okay too. Just for the ambiance. What is what what is the feeling of having to roll them yourself? Is that like bonus uh-huh. points? Oh yeah. I, you definitely get more like beat writer points, but I think you also gain more um pretentious points. 100%. Which, to be fair, you know, you're in California already, so you might as well. Especially if you get like right. the American spirit tobacco that's all natural and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that's like better for you. Oh it's really my like, gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's the best. And then I can talk about my vinyl collection <laughs> during halftime. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Hey, I, I have a vinyl connect collection, okay? I got that taken care of. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, whatever people say we are, that's what we're not. Is so much better if you listen to it on vinyl, you know. <laughs> I think we're putting this show out on vinyl, actually. Are we putting the show out? I'm, good. I'm so glad that we finally got to, got yeah. to get those pressed on 8-inch. Mm-hmm. The fidelity of my voice is just so much better when you can hear the grooves. <laughs> so I'm just enjoying a chance. I'm just enjoying a chance of an entire supporters group sitting in three-piece suits smoking for the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think, though, Alan? Like, let's talk about if if they have the games and people go. Like, where where do we draw the line? How can they? Uh, t- how can they make a safer environment? How can the club do that? Uh, to me, the the three biggest times are entering, cool. getting up, and leaving. And if teams can figure out how to do those three things safely, yeah, I think the game kind of it's fine. But if you can't get people to stagger entrance and stagger leave and then maybe not have concessions so people don't have to get up um, or bring it to them, like I think those are the three biggest issues, like looking at logistics for me. It's like everyone usually shows up the same time and hangs out and does the pregame stuff. That's not going to be able to happen. And then do you have a rolling entrance where if you have this ticket, you have this 15 minute window to get into the stadium? Like that's that's the, the big issue. And then how far out do you stagger your times? Like if the game's at five and you want me to show up at three at the gate, like that's, eh. is it worth it for me? I don't know. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough for me. Uh, so let's talk format. And then we have a question from uh, one of our Louisville boys about the, the groups. Um, format wise. It, and he's on the live stream. Thanks, yeah. Carson. Hi, Carson. Uh, so we're back to five subs, which, you know, us being the USL championship. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. The USL pro purists that we are. Yes. Welcome home, everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 No longer will we have to put up with, oh, wait, didn't they use all their subs? Uh uh-uh. uh. After the fourth guy comes, after that Jamie Lucini switch. For, be- for your Bethlehem Steel. Oh my That's gosh. Amazing. For your Josh Hurd switch. Um, no, no, no. It'll happen every five minutes now. What do you mean fourth sub? What is this? Concussion rule? No, 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 Taylor. No, Mr. Twelman. It's just because everyone's out of shape. <laughs> Injuries. 
Yeah. Lots of yeah. games in a short amount of time. You have three opportunities to make your subs during regular play, which is really funny. Subs may also be made at halftime without counting against those three in-game opportunities. So essentially, you can call t- three timeouts. That's actually a wrinkle I didn't uh, read about. That's good yeah. stuff right there. Yep. Uh, and then I, the top... Sorry. No, I'm just... I'm glad the USL guys are getting comfortable again. You know, we've been uncomfortable for a few years now, but now we're back to five. Yeah, this I was really... Us. The whole time when there was only three subs, I was just waiting for two more, you know? <laughs> and I, I would go through the last back half of games being like, where's the yeah. subs at? And then, you know, whenever we talk to a player, or like I talk to Brendan or, or whatever, you know, I, I, the first question, I always want to be like, well, why didn't you use your fourth and fifth sub? And then, you know, exactly. someone went, hey, that's not how we work now. And I went, oh, yeah. Now Preki um, doesn't have to look at me with to the end of the game. Don't you miss going from minute eighty to the end of the game with like two minutes of soccer played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back yeah, to yeah. those times now. Yeah. Uh, the top two teams from each group in the regular season, the regular season in air quotes, will advance to the 2020 USL Championship playoffs, which produces a field of 16 teams overall and a regionalized single elimination bracket. Group winners will be paired with group runners up in the round of 16, with home advantage being determined by record for the remainder of the bracket. So, uh, yeah, winner of A faces runner up to B. Winner B faces runner up A. Repeat for CD. And then same thing over on the Eastern Conference, uh, which is all fine and dandy. But what are those groups and who's going to advance in them? Well, we'll talk about it. Starting alphabetically in the West with groups A, B, C, and D, because, you know, West Coast bias there for that East Coast base league. <laughs> Thanks, Phoenix. West Coast, West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Group A is Timbers 2, Reno, Sacramento Republic, and Tacoma Defiance. Group B, Los Dos, Vegas, New Look, Las Vegas Lights, Orange hmm. County, Phoenix Rising, San Diego Loyal. Group C, Colorado Springs, El Paso Locomotive, New Mexico United, and Real Monarchs. Group D, Austin, Oklahoma City, Rio Grande Valley, uh, San Antonio, and FC. Tulsa. Uh, I like two of these groups a lot more than I like the other two. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> lottery balls were kind to some teams and not so kind to some others. Well, let's. What's what's the group of death? This is the fun part, right? Pony, I think you should lead us off as is tradition. What's the group? Yeah, of at least death? for me, I calculated them all by saying. Comparing to last year, which had the highest average points gained per game, and the group of death across all conferences is Group B. I mean, it's far better. I mean, the difference between Group B and the second best team, the second best group is about the same as the second best group to the worst group. I mean, it's a huge gap dropping Mm down. Yeah. So how come though? Because you you rated San Diego Loyal as average, right? So even them rated yeah, I called as average. As, as average, and they ended up being and that was about average of what the league was. But I mean, you're looking at a group that has a lot of top player who has a lot of the top teams in it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where I'm trying to pull up real quick because I was not on that same computer as I am now when I wrote that. <laughs> but I mean, Phoenix was by and far the best regular season team. 
Mm-hmm. You also have Orange County, who again, I mean, honestly, I still, I mean, it was one of my hot takes, but I think Orange County could be a top three team in the entire league, not just West Coast, the entire outright league. Yeah. And they're sharing a conference with teams who are not bad. I mean, think about it. I mean, LA was a playoff team last year, and mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the MLS two teams. I could see them being all good or all horrible this year. Right. I mean, right. It, I think it comes to how comes down to how their parent club does in the tournament. Because let's say LA is done after two games in the tournament. Why have West Coast stop from setting down their bench players for the um, next two months? But at the same time, if they do good, they're just going to pull up all these young guys and their team's going to suck. And I, I think that MLS sides are going to have most, like they will bring as many guys as they can. Uh, yeah. I know um, Jim Curtin's subjective reads is probably going to make a debut for union. And like, that's a dude that probably had union two written on him all year. If things were normal, much as we like Jack, yeah, it's just, you know, yeah. minutes. That's just my fears. One of the teams crashes out immediately. And then, well, are you going to keep your kids and your bench players just in a training camp for the next month and a half? Or are you going to send right. them to play USL games? Yeah. I think it's, I think this is going to benefit the teams who are bad the most because they're going to get all their <laughs> Kinda, kids at least. Yeah. Well, the rumor was that MLS two teams weren't even going to play in this tournament, um, which is understandable after MLS teams decided to do it. Yeah, but here we are. And so I think the new rumor, and it is still rumor, but the new rumor is all those middle to good players on two teams are going to go play with the first team, and then we're going to just see straight up U19 teams on the the two sides. imagine that's what happens. Yeah, at least for the first month or so. I don't know if they have a choice, though, right? In their defense, like they have to. If your goal is the parent club gets better, right? You like, and it was oh, U nineteen. It's gonna feel a lot worse this year. I think I would go as far as to say that I'm actually really excited. I'm even more excited about MLS um, because they're going to be forced to play the kids, and yeah, I, you know, as a US well, or at least guy, you're going to have to rotate the kids. Well, yeah, they got to get some time, some time. But as a USL guy, like I'm rooting for those kids. So I'm really excited to see them get a, get more of a chance than they otherwise would have. So this is, this is good in my opinion. I'm excited. Uh, Who's the throwaway group here? Group A is pretty bad. Group A is not great. Uh, I I think group A with Sacramento Runa going through is probably the biggest lock of the entire tournament. I'm with excited D, to it's see like what... who is with D. If, if Tulsa, if Tulsa hadn't improved, D would be absolute crap. But yes, uh, I actually do have D as the worst group out there. But I think it's complete just crap for who makes it through. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. I think San Antonio's through. I think RGV's dead. But apart from that, I mean, I could see Austin or OKC or Tulsa even taking a spot. It's it's a it's I mean, a momentum game. This is all going to feel like the sprint to the playoff. I mean, because it is, but it's going to be you know, you get your first game and you're okay. Like I don't think there's going to be a lot of pretty soccer to be had the first week. But it's like well, the first the first yeah. match, I guess. But like if you win it and you can build off of that confidence a little bit, you might be all right. So are we only talking West right now? Because no, I I got, say, we can switch to East because I, I need a segue. 
I said, well, effectively for me, those two groups I mentioned were the best and worst out of all East and West overall for me. I don't know, man. If Red Bulls 2 doesn't have a good supply of players, if Philadelphia Union 2 doesn't have a good supply of players, Group F is pretty terrible outside. I think Group F is going to be bad. I think so, too. I think that's going to be like... I think you have to consider the Red Bulls good until they actually don't look good. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, what's, what's that's the, totally what's the fair. Of that team like play-in level is their floor. <laughs> well, like Sad, and true, Union Two's head coach was very much like, "Well, we've been doing things individually that people haven't seen and that we think are unique and are going to give us a bit of an edge." So they're confident a little bit, but I mean, like, regardless, Hounds are on top. And then do I think that any of these teams have a chance against the winner of Group E? Hell no. Uh, what, they could fed the Louisville or Indy? Like, no. No. <laughs> hey, you mean St. Louis is what you meant. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your ability to support your team. Hey, guys, we took out Miami pretty hard in week one. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, actually, Group H in the East is kind of tricky. If you take away Atlanta. United yeah. Zero. I think so too. Only in because I think I'm, yeah, I think Charleston. I, think that's what I makes mean, the East unique. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's what makes the East unique is each division has like three teams that could do well. Yeah, so like and then like one, one of the teams away. is out. Yeah, and I think they did a pretty decent job of kind of balancing them to make yes. it not be like Group A in the West. Yeah. Group the East seems to be a little bit more balanced as far as competitiveness, and there's like there's not there's like I can see at least three teams from each of these groups getting through their little mini tournament. Yeah, yeah, there are teams like um like uh Charlotte uh, Charleston Battery yeah. and yeah. teams like um Austin Bold. Like both of those teams are really hard to beat on the right days, and yeah it's interesting because each group could have this like totally, you know how East is considered like compact and defensive. And then the West is open and attacking like Mm -hmm. each little Mm -hmm. tiny group is going to have its own little thing. And if someone like Charleston battery can just figure out how to sit back and pick their chances against teams like Miami and Tampa Bay, they're almost built to beat teams like that on a regular basis, especially in like a world cup type, format like that kind of team can really thrive and and what'll be interesting is now and i mean it's still hard because you'll be you'll be traveling a little bit quicker in a week than you normally would but you don't have the um let's say riverhounds you don't have go to hartford play sunday come home play th- home thursday and then play or or Wednesday, like you don't have like a Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday where you're like up northeast, home, and then down in Charleston. So I wonder if, in a way, the like lighter travel schedule is going to be a hindrance to those teams that kind of like to sit back and play the counter. Interesting. I wonder because people might be just a little bit fresher, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Yeah, could totally. See and that. draws don't do anybody anything too is the other thing. I really don't think draws help anybody at all in these games. Yeah. Yeah. That loyal That's Vegas draw at the beginning of the season is going to be a huge detriment to 
Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not any of those teams can give OC and Phoenix a run for their money. That's the team by team for group F. I say, well, um, at least to me, the thing that's interesting for me is group G out East, which is the Birmingham, Charlotte, Memphis, North Carolina. I think that's probably the luckiest group of all, because I think all these teams are bottom half teams. I don't think that we have any solid, mm-hmm. good team in that group. I don't I mean, think it's one so. of those where it's like, I, as I look at it, I'm like maybe North Carolina could be okay. Maybe Birmingham could be okay. But Memphis isn't all that great. Charlotte hasn't looked all that great last few years. I mean, and then they have the other stuff we talked about, which probably is going to affect them a little bit, at least mentally. But that's the one I look at and go for same as like a group D out West where the two teams who get out of there would probably not have got out of there in most other groups. Yeah. I I was going to defend Birmingham Legion because they did pick up some guys. You know, Nico mm. Brett is there. JJ mm. Williams is gone though. Uh, North yeah. Carolina always looks really good. Charlotte, I think is if, since they got Dane Kelly there, like I think he could be the final piece for them to be okay this year. So I think a lot of them, I would say group G is like, normally you'd look at that group and be like this, this group's pretty crappy, but I do think there's been enough upgrades where it's in it's super. I think it's super interesting actually. It'll be Guys, interesting, I, but I don't think, I think they're, I think group G loses both their first round playoff games. Yeah. I have found right. the pitch for group F. Let's hear it. New coaches. Oh, uh, give us more, please. Ready to die. Hartford, Ryan Martin at Loudon, and uh, Sven Gartung at Philadelphia Union too are all guys that have either played one game with their new outlets or or zero. So if you like watching new coaches have to figure out what they want to do really quickly, Group F is pretty. <laughs> That's also what's fun about Group B. Is watching mm. Vegas try to figure well, their lives out in the middle yeah, of the season. Yeah, funny. Listen, you could do a lot worse than well, they did a lot worse than Frank Yallop before. So yeah, the question I mean, like, like they actually all to get the llamas in the I said when all to get the llamas in the divorce, or does the team get to keep them? You know, well, no, but I heard Ronaldo they paid was... severance pay through helicopter. Yeah. Like just drop the money from the helicopter and had them run and pick up. Yeah. Winona was almost the perfect coach for a team like Vegas where he's a little bit of crazy, but I mean, the guy, he improved them this year, you know, and that's a tough job at, at Vegas in my opinion. But I, um, I think the Skype credits roll over to the team though. <laughs> so that's nice. I like it. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I mean like yellow is, can he shed the craziness that is that ownership? You know what I mean? Like Yala can do some good things with that team, but is he going to be allowed to is the question in my He's opinion. a good coach. He is very much not Eric Winalda in that I don't think the first thing people talk about when they talk about Frank Yala in a good way is his personality. And I'm kind of okay with that. I think yep. they just need to hire a GM to take some of the weight off of Frank Yala's shoulders which I don't know who that'll be or if they're going to do that, but I'm like, I, like you, again, like Frank Yallop is not a bad coach. Uh, and I, I don't think 
that's a bad move, especially in the long term for Vegas. Short term, I don't know if it'll pay off because that's not his team. He didn't build that team. And we know how that goes. But I think if you look at it from a, hey, we need some consistency here, like Vegas is doing okay. Agree. I'd say quick, just, I guess, one or the other, who'd think is going to benefit more from this long break, the offensive teams or the defensive teams? Uh, Offensive, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're not a team that finds your offensive rhythm easily, it's going to be a lot harder to do it now, I think. Dude, I think if you watch the first games from Bundesliga and Premier League, like the defense yeah. was pretty bad week one, and then it got a little better next week. In third week, it was pretty close to normal somehow. That's impressive, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, yeah, we might be... Really uh, well, but. We might be a little ambitious if we're expecting these guys to come up to <laughs> pray, normalcy pray you get- in a month, but... Pray you get Riverhounds week one, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, not, not if it's best chance. You don't want to play on I don't think team. you want to see him ever. Well, that's someone true. else eliminates the Riverhounds. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams in the East that just won't have to play the Riverhounds this year, which is probably nice. Well, Evan, I, we're, we're closing in on an hour. I think uh, before we go, you're yeah. wearing your uh, Play the Kids vintage yeah. shirt. I'm yeah. wearing my, uh, what am I wearing? I forgot what it's called. Wow. Playing for pride. Well, that's a rainbow phrase. shirt. Sorry. Well, it's the playing for pride shirt that BGN yeah. did a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, but it's that month, man. I think you should talk about it a little bit if you don't mind. It is the end of that month. Uh, happy pride month, everybody. Um, oh, man. I, there's so many like not for profits and things that I, that I, I want to talk about. I guess the ones um, that you should definitely talk about. Uh, look into that have a usl slant uh austin Deleuze, former north carolina fc captain and um gentleman uh started or has been a very big proponent of athlete ally and playing for pride which has been um altered this year because no one played any games but uh definitely feel free to, to donate to athlete ally they're they're a wonderful not-for-profit that wants to make the sports world more inclusive for uh anybody in the in the lgbtq plus because i it's so many letters now that i just can't remember all of them off the top of my head which is my fault uh but anybody in the lgbtq plus community that is in the soccer world that wants to be uh safer and, and things like that athlete alley is a really good place to do that um if you're looking for something a little more um national scale uh the uh, hrc the human rights campaign is always a very good place on which to donate and then if i can plug um a Philadelphia-based one, the uh, William Way Foundation, which is a wonderful LGBT community center on 1315 Spruce Street in one of my favorite cities in the world, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, So go check those guys out as well, for sure. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I I grew up as a a white suburban kid um, who is very much butch um, and didn't have a ton of problems, uh, growing up. And, and I know that as a very, um, atypical, uh, upbringing, um, I don't have to look very far in my own apartment to see other upbringings that were a little bit more difficult than mine. Uh, so it, you know, the cliche is that it gets better and it, it does, but I don't think that that, has a whole lot of weight behind it when you have to wait, you know, 
eight to 10 years for it to get really comfortable. So mm-hmm. um, if for whatever reason this finds the ears or hands of, of uh, LGBTQ plus youth, um, I will say that you are very much a valid person with valid opinions, and valid ideas, and that if anyone tries to take them away from you, I hope they don't sleep at night. You just keep doing yourself, baby, and you'll be fine. Love it. Thanks, Evan. That's good. Yeah, no worries, bud. Anytime. You know me. I don't like to have my opinions publicly put out on this podcast at all. <laughs> at all. Never. Why would I do that? I'm the president of Antifa because that's a thing. <laughs> hey, uh, if you want to follow this podcast, you're more than welcome to do so at the USL show. Uh, if you want to hear any more of my opinions that are mine and not reflective of the league that the show borrows a name from or the network that it is a part of, which is the Beautiful Game Network podcast, or our wonderful sponsors, Roughneck Scarves, Icarus FC, uh, you can do that too. It's at Speak Evan Speak because I don't know how not to. Um, Phil, where can people find you on the internet? At Phil Grooms on Twitter. Two L's, two, two, L's. L's, two O's. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's one of my favorite people. Oh my god. If not one of my favorite people from uh the greater St. Louis area. Sorry not to following up. Uh Pony, where can people find you on the internet? And in case they forgot, where can uh the USL people go to put your Twitter handle in a welcoming packet for their interns and tell them it's okay, we know who he is. Yes, I am always on Twitter at USL underscore pony. Yeah, yeah. Still my favorite story that Ryan mm-hmm. has ever told me. Where <laughs> uh, can people find that. you and your things on the internet? A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. There you go. Why 48? It was a number before I broke. Fair. Fair enough. <laughs> Sometimes 48 there's years old. Sometimes there's nothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was born in 1948, everybody. Alan Underwood, the <laughs> oldest man on the podcast scene right now. Uh, why are they still yeah. called podcasts? No one uses iPhones. Uh, anyway. Like a like a Peapod? Like a Peapod. Y'all talking about them knit shows? Uh, this is what Alan talks about. This is what happens to go for over an hour. Camera. Sorry. We promise. <laughs> we promise. Anyway, until next week, uh, take care, everybody, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you.